0: Where's your banjo?
2: No, it's <laughs> guitar today. Get used to it, Nico. <laughs> well, it Welcome really good. back to the podcast. Thank you, Peter. We are back again. I am playing guitar instead of a banjo. I'm sorry, but I don't really know how to play banjo, so don't judge me if I only know guitar. Just playing "Say It Ain't So," from
0: guys. User. No. <laughs> Say it ain't so. No, oh, oh. that's actually
2: that's a George that's that's a George Strait song uh, with obviously different lyrics.
0: <laughs> hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hey, we go.
2: yeah, um, we are secretly big secret. We are secretly live right now oh. somewhere on CorridorDigital.com. digital.com. Uh, we are testing live. So if you guys happen to find this anywhere, uh, you just found. Uh, an easter egg so congratulations (laughs) um but uh so there may be some jank there may be some things that happen uh if you find us live uh do not be worried it is all they'd be
1: so excited going
2: it is all going according to plan Mm -hmm. um so all one or two viewers in there they're like wait what the (laughs) (laughs) so today we got ren peter Nico, myself how's it going guys Hello. hello And, uh, I thought this would be a fun opportunity to talk about, um, not only what you guys were doing today, but also kind of what that's spurring on and sort of a a learning journey. I feel like 2020 was a year of survival, but 2021 is a year of improvement, innovation and learning. And, uh, I'm feeling that anyway. So I've been playing guitar more, um, and uh working on a few things uh on Corridor. So, sounds like you guys were getting deep into the weeds. It sounded like an intimate day today. Oh, it was. we <laughs> <intimate. I started
3: laughs> each other's bodies.
0: Oh, by the way, you want the microphone pointed at your mouth.
3: Uh, I, th- every time. I hey, at least it's not
0: this. backwards this time. <laughs> anyway. By the way, you want the microphone pointed at your mouth?
3: Okay, on my mic at home, it's like that, okay.
2: <laughs> my mic at home it's like that okay my mic at home. So I mean, it's like it's like
1: jake's mic there it's you know you yeah, so it i'll could, tell i'll yeah. tell the story to of what we i'm, what I'm we're actually i'm gonna
2: get a sure i think eventually but anyway sure go, yeah nico sure. what's going on over there you guys are naked
3: <laughs> whoa
0: basically uh, Okay, hey if you're listening to this an audio only we are wearing clothes actually um <laughs> but the digital forms ourselves who knows uh, <laughs> so <laughs> this is what they're
3: doing on our hard drives.
0: <laughs> so, big picture, we're kind of getting, not kind of, we are getting into Unreal Engine for filmmaking. Um, the idea of being able to do animated stuff without, like, because you have, you have animated movies and shows where it's basically cartoon-style keyframing, you know, whether or not it's CG. But we want to try to get into this realm of doing animated stuff, but without necessarily having to go through the slog of having to do it all by hand. So... We are experimenting with motion capture, facial capture, uh, real time filmmaking, all that good stuff. Basically, we're looking at the puppeteering equivalent of making an animated series. The really excited mm-hmm. thing is that. Every video game level you can find on Unreal Marketplace, every character, those are all free locations now. Or maybe not free, maybe 30 bucks.
1: But they're locations that are accessible as opposed to like, well, we can't go shoot in the middle of the U.S. Bank Tower. Exactly. (laughs) Unless we had a digital one, then we could just do
3: it. And it's a location that you can switch halfway through your day. You don't have to pick up your whole production and move there.
0: You just load up a new project.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, at, your uh, your your location fees are a lot less, I think.
0: <laughs> That's very true. Yep. And looking at video games, like, take note of how much cinematics exist in video games. Video games are really just a vehicle to play you cinematics with, like, kind of just template video game <laughs> gameplay in between for the most part. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> well, you and I have uh, refined This is, is jaded Nico game. coming out again. <laughs> oh, I'm so jaded about video games, guys. Oh, like, I mean, I've been gaming since I was a baby.
3: So. Okay, what's the last truly great video game you've played? Population One.
1: That's fair That's, that's
3: was... just VR Fortnite, man.
1: It is. Hey, but it is really VR good.
0: Fortnite is great. This is true. This is true. Population yeah. One is great. I don't know the last good single player game I've played (coughs) Half-Life Alex.
3: (coughs) I don't think I mean Half-Life Alex was
0: was good I didn't finish it but to be fair I also had a Rift S that was janking out really hard when I was trying to play it and yeah so man what is the last good single player game I've played? I don't know. I've gotten really sucked into multiplayer games. But you know what? You guys are just distracting me. You're just getting me <laughs> off track here. in the i to do. I think my, to... last,
1: my most recent favorite single-player game is probably Horizon Zero
3: Dawn. Oh, I want to play that so bad. So good. I need to get a PS whatever. It's been a few years since I played
1: it. I actually started replaying it again last fall. And I, I don't know. I played maybe half of it before I put it down and then never played it again accidentally. <laughs> do you guys ever have that where it's like... You're really enjoying a game, and then, like, you put it down one day, you know, like, it's the end of the night, you're, you you know, turn off Mm -hmm. your console, and then the next day, when it's around the same time to play a video game again, you're like, I'm going to try this other thing, or do something else instead, and then another day goes by, then Mm -hmm. three days goes by, then a month goes Mm -hmm. by, next thing you know, you've never touched the game ever again. That's what happened with
0: Half-Life Alex, and myself. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, I think the biggest headliner game that I tried that I was pretty disappointed with was God of War, the newest one. Okay. Oh, Really? So I'm really critical about writing in video games like when they just do away with all the things that you're supposed to do in a story To get your attention and get you invested in characters and they just ignore that because it's a video game Hmm. It's like why you guys you still have to (laughs) do this stuff Like I have like why do these characters care about each other? You just made them start caring about each other. You can't just it's cheap (laughs) It's easy. So the game felt
3: like unmotivated in the character.
0: Yeah, I mean like the the stuff between like uh, Kratos and his son was interesting but like they didn't quite like they got to a story eventually but they didn't really they didn't quite hit that story ideally but i actually found the gameplay to be super boring like it was just the most generic hack and slash in my opinion like which was really just a vehicle for graphics set pieces isn't it
1: kind of like on rails too
0: yeah kind of and like like, that doesn't do it for me anymore
1: like i i've I've never played god of war but i've always kind of seen it as like one of those games where what do you call that game mechanic where it's like the button pops up and you're supposed quick, to hit it at the right time quick time, That's the quick game time events. Is, is it a game like that i kind
0: of get yeah, that yeah but there's also like you know fighting sections but like the fighting sections really are just made for people to mash the attack i mean some people are probably like you need to play on hard difficulty and it's actually really challenging And you're probably right but for the most part it's just hit the attack button and you'll win mm. because I, the game's made for mass audiences you know yeah. i
1: really enjoyed the recent spider-man game and by recent oh. i mean the previously recent not the my, miles Morales game i haven't played that one because i don't have a ps5 but yeah. i know it's available on ps4 i need to but
3: play i just that. didn't get it that's one of those games i've only played at my friend's houses and so it has just a special place in my heart mm. you know <laughs> it's, so it's
1: yeah. very very good game man the spider-man game is like finally like you can you know fly around new york city swinging around the gameplay the the fighting mechanics are pretty good in my opinion mm-hmm. um
0: yeah. But whether you're looking at God of War or Cyberpunk 2077 or Spider-Man or any of these games, they all have a ton of cinematics, like not like just a movie's length, but like five movies lengths worth of cinematics, like more than like a season of television. And it's really high fidelity and it's usually done really well. And this is kind of like the gaming industry going like, guys, guys, it's really easy to make cinematics in video games. Well, you know, (laughs) quote unquote, really easy, but. It's not as hard as you would think to churn out content as long as the writing is there. Because at the end mm-hmm. of the day, you're just kind of doing theater wearing a mocap suit. So that's what we're kind of jumping into here and we're really excited about it. I think the thing that really brings us together is that ray tracing has been has become a thing that you can do in in games. And ray tracing is when you are when you are basically doing the kind of lighting that you would do. If you're doing a high end CG animation, you know, you're casting rays from the camera, you're casting rays from the lights, you're bouncing them around the scene to get your lighting calculations your shadow calculations and reflection calculations. And it's funny because when they first announced that they could do ray tracing on these cars, I was like, why would I want to lose 20 or 30 frames per second just so I could get some better reflections? The gameplay is just fine without it. It's (laughs) like everybody's missing the point. Is that jaded Nico? Is that... No, that's not me. I love ray tracing because I know what it unlocks. Most people don't understand that when you're designing a video game, you have to bake the lighting. You you can have some dynamic lighting, but when you put lights in a video game, it doesn't just light the scene and that's it and you continue. You need to then, once you're done placing your lighting and building your scene, you need to then quote-unquote bake the lighting where then the computer goes and it calculates how the lights interact with all the services, how it's interacting with the space, how you have different bounces, calculating the shadows for everything that's not moving that's going to remain static. And like and then once that's done, it basically puts that into a giant texture, so to speak. So that when you play the video game, your little old Xbox doesn't have to sit there and calculate all the lighting. The lighting's already been pre-calculated.
1: Exactly. So it's like you're really just walking into a room that is just completely like ambiently lit. There's not like any dynamic lighting, but the lighting is built into the actual photo texture of the scene. So it's like, oh, it's a little dark in that corner, It's because if you're to open up the texture for that corner, it's, it's dark in that corner. Yep. Uh, on mm-hmm. in the actual like JPEG image. So the room mm-hmm.
0: has been painted with
1: light. Like yeah, as a texture, painted so with light. <laughs> yeah, so there's no Boy.
0: actual lighting happening. This is interesting. I didn't know. Yeah. That.
1: <laughs> but with ray trace, because normally in CG graphics, that you don't do that. You know, it's like you have your texture, or you're rather, you have your 3D model and all like the the maps around it. You, you normal bump, uh, roughness, specular, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? And so it looks a certain way. It exists as a certain way. And then once you start putting lights in, it reacts to those lights naturally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. That's that gives you the control to place lights wherever you want to really like compose lighting on a scene. Well, we should mention Uh, why baked lighting is
0: uh, was a problem. Sure. So so because, you know, so I'm talking about all this baked lighting, but like, what's the issue? Why am I bringing that up? Well, baking your lighting takes sometimes hours to do Um, at the very least, it's going to take like five to ten minutes for like a basic scene. Mm -hmm. You might be able to get down to like one or two minutes if you have a really fast computer. But let's say you're trying to do a short film in a video game engine you're like, OK, I got my camera here. My character's over there. Oh, I need to move this prop. I need to move this piece of scenery. Oh, I need to move a light to light my character differently to match the camera. Time to bake the lighting. I'll see you guys in two hours. I, I have an analogy for that.
1: It's like imagine you're on a film set and like your gaffer sets up a light and then welds it to the ground. <laughs> and now and then it's like, all right, time for the next setup. You pull out your freaking angle saw. grinder, take it to the thing, <laughs> <laughs> move it over to the new spot, weld it down to the
4: ground again. Yeah, he so. just
0: steps in and drops the welder's hatch <laughs> and just starts. <laughs> yep. So, you know, baking your lighting is fine. You know, it's great for an actual video game to make it run fast but when it comes to filmmaking it basically it's it's a star a stopper a hard stopper to actually being able to flow through the creative process it really slows it down Mm. so ray tracing lets you do away with all of that no more pre-computed lighting you can do all of your lighting in real time you can change your lights you can change your colors change your light types change your environment you can do all of that and everything's updating instantly it's just you live in that world in real time you're but no that was stuck.
1: not possible until like literally the last year correct yeah I and mean, wow. arguably the
0: two series like the 2000 series of mm-hmm. nvidia cards they could do some ray tracing not enough to really make you know full yeah. dynamic lighting a real possibility mm-hmm. now the the 3000 series plus you know some more optimize optimizations were there Wow, a- and it's super so cool i'm That's confused
1: wild. by nvidia's naming scheme because for a long time it was like the the 580 the 680 the 780 <laughs> and then I guess they skipped the 880 and went straight to the
0: 980 Ti. I don't remember an no, 880. You're right. Because they, they had the 8800 series, which mm. was like the big card back in the day. When oh, so they didn't want to have like confused names. Yeah. And do then they think, were like the 2000 series. Have a, do you now think there's, there's just one guy
2: who does all the naming conventions for big tech? Yeah, it's, it's like, like yeah. Xbox 360. He, he, and then
3: he, not Xbox 720. Xbox. One. Well, you know Whoever is it? in
1: charge of yeah. naming stuff at Microsoft should be fired. Oh, definitely. You know why they call Bill, the Xbox 360
0: the Xbox 360, right? I do, yeah. Why? Because the PlayStation 3 was coming out and they couldn't call it the Xbox 2 because it sounded like it's a generation behind the PlayStation 3. <laughs> they should have called it the yeah. Nextbox.
1: Whoa. <laughs> but then what happens when the next box comes out? box squared? The
2: X-Bone. <laughs> the X-Bone. They also, they also did that with iPhones when they went from 8 to 10 yeah yeah like they're just like uh nine's gonna sound let's just let's just skip a level (laughs) honestly if
3: the iphone 9 did come out i'll be like i'll just wait for the 10 (laughs) (laughs) yeah but honestly i think the xbox 360 was a
1: brilliant name and i think that was the last time microsoft had a good name because then they went to the xbox one and it's like okay that's not confusing at all x there's the first xbox the xbox one and then there's the Xbox One, but it was like it wasn't that big of a deal. And then and then <laughs> and then they had to go and <clears throat> call it like the Xbox One, one, one X. X Series X, X. S. S. Uh, like that's what I'm talking about. Like this the is heck? so. Can, can you imagine being like a 40 year old mother trying to buy your your son <laughs> a Christmas present, and you're like, because there's the
0: last a, gen red, red Xbox Series S. Forty year old mother's only five years older than me. Hey, you could be a forty-year-old mother. What should I say? Look, I, no, dude, I was dude in line you could be for the original Xbox. Old mother. You did look like, 60-year-old mother. But my point is that like
1: but there there's the Xbox One, and then they kept like reducing its size, making it cheaper, yeah, and then eventually the it was like I don't even know the names anymore, but there was like th- the old version of the Xbox One. That's new the newest old the newest last gen Xbox. <laughs> has a very similar naming system to the new xbox and yeah. there's two versions of the new one for there too and it's like i i, I cannot fault any 40 year old mother going to gamestop and then uh you know getting them stonks uh, no sorry i got super distracted there um <laughs> she's uh, like
2: i got some stocks my my for my son and he told me to buy an xbox s <laughs> 365
0: okay, microsoft office 365 <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What do I... It do, does this plug into the Vista?
0: Here's a <laughs> the Wii home U. Vista? <laughs> yeah, that's why I, bought a, I bought a Game Boy Advance instead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. But yeah, so, you a, know, but- ray, ray trace lighting and all the ray-tracing that they added to the cards, what it really does is it also makes it a lot easier for developers to make a video game level without having to sit there and bake the whole thing either all the time. Like, it, we are on the track to eliminating a thing that takes hours and hours and hours to do. So... You know, everybody that's complaining about ray tracing, I feel like they're very... I mean, obviously, they don't know the ins and outs of, like, the technical side of these video game mentions, but it's definitely a bit of a short-sighted thing to complain about because it is ushering in the next generation of graphics. And that next generation of graphics is what we're going to be playing with when we do these Unreal videos. Heck yeah, dude. Yeah, I was
3: a bit skeptical at first of, like, using Unreal for virtual production. I was like... That's just like doing CGI, but it looks worse. You know, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm not that into this. And then I realized that you can use it's. You're making a movie in a game engine so you can employ all of the strategies that games use to have like crazy crowds and people interacting with each other, air fights going on. Instead of animating a tank driving through a scene, you just hop into the scene with your controller and you just pilot it as if you're playing a video game and then yeah. you render that out. It's a beautiful so thing. So when you
1: when you do that, are you like actually like recording keyframes when you drive the tank through a scene and you're like, all right, I'm going to drive forward <laughs> a little bit and then have the thing look to the left and then to the right and then drive forward again. And it's like, yeah, it bakes out the keyframes. It like,
3: turns it into a performance as opposed
1: to an animation. That's where it's at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Performing rather than animating. Yeah. Even in small little
0: ways. It's puppetry. Yeah, it really is puppetry at the end of the day.
1: Clint and I were talking about uh, a sequel to Boss Town Two, where uh, the robot's like in the woods, and so the little dog has. And uh, in, in our video, he doesn't have an arm, uh, but in in real life, that little dog has like this arm that bends out. And we're like, we could totally just hook up like the uh, one of our motion capture suits with the the hand tracking, oh and literally God. just like puppet that yeah. arm on oh the dog, God. and just like do all of this stuff, just like, Dude, but like do that way after the fact, like you do all the stuff on set, and then like later we're you, you literally just like, all right, I'm doing the shot.
3: <laughs> yeah totally that's been something i've been wanting to be, like play with is using motion capture suits for non-bipedal motion capture it's like yeah you have a, a serpent it's like there you go you got your serpent right there yeah
0: you know? or Ian Hubert did like that robotic spatula arm, yeah which Fantastic. is insane Ian Hubert's just insane <laughs>
3: he's a psychopath Dude, he just bought a vr headset and got into unreal so i'm very excited well, to just see bought it. what a VR headset oh yeah
1: you convinced him to do that right
3: I, I think I did <laughs> In <an> Instagram DM <laughs> you're just gonna say I, yeah, yes, a, yes I'm gonna I convinced Ian Huber <laughs> to get a VR headset so whatever he makes is like courtesy it's of me basically, <laughs> it's
2: basically yours
3: yeah. Your... yeah yeah
1: at the end of his movie it's just gonna be like directed
0: by Peter France exactly <laughs> special thanks to Peter Franz. Based on
2: <laughs> based on original concepts by Peter Franz.
0: <laughs> based on the life of Peter Franz. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and then produced by, you know,
3: Ian Hubert.
0: <laughs> so in our journey to do Unreal uh, movie making, you know, like with everything in Corridor, we try to look for all the tools that make it as easy and as fast as possible. Because people have been making video games for a long time. And so why the heck do we want to sit there trying to build the wheel all over again when other people have made so many tools to do so? Well, a lot of the tools are super janky and not that well implemented. But recently, we found Character Creator. I should say that Sam has been looking into Character Creator. So, you know, Unreal announced their MetaHuman, which is basically a, a human being creator thing for Unreal Engine, but it's not actually out yet. And we need an easy way to make characters for our stuff. We don't have to model it and then rig it and then set everything up and name all the bones and set up with motion capture, yada, yada. You know, like, it's, it's a long process that really... You do the same every time you do it. So, something like Character Creator just does it all for you. You just get to like make your character. It's basically the character creation screen from like Skyrim. And, you know, what better way to make corridor content than to turn experiments into videos? So, what we are currently <laughs> doing is we are making uh, all of ourselves into handsome Squidward's. <laughs> you know the meme. You know Squidward. You
1: know how he looks all weird because he's handsome. <laughs> what if What if you guys
0: could do that to each other? Yep. Mm-hmm. So the character creator has a thing where you can take a picture of yourself and basically have it roughly make your face. It's not perfect, but... It's eating, pretty damn good. It's pretty dang good. You look like a video game version of yourself, which mm-hmm. is cool. But you can go in by hand and tweak it and dial it in, which we all did. <laughs> and then... You can take that and go, like, all right, time to go crazy with those sliders. Jaw, max square. (laughs) Brows, maximum thickness. Cheekbones, maximum height. (laughs) Lips, maximum puffiness. (laughs) Yep.
2: Yeah, that's... It's gonna be so weird. It's, it's really weird. very
1: weird. Also, it's like because it, it renders out the whole body too. And you can <laughs> the add like whole just body. hair. And stuff, the whole body. And by default, there are no clothes. But also there are no genitalia. So it's like it's like the Titans from Attack on Titan. Yeah. It's like just Dude, it's really so weird. weird. And Nico, you and I we Nico's it was like
3: smooth growing all day.
1: <laughs> We're in the middle of a segment, so we didn't really get to expand on it at all, but there's totally an idea to do like an actual like live action attack on Titan thing yeah. with like real Titans.
0: I feel like we should. Maybe like maybe it's not like we're flying around killing them, but like maybe it's just like, like Titans in Los Angeles and it's just you yeah, know, a quick fun render thing. Yeah, yeah, no, totally we to on TikTok. Dude, the scale of Titans in real life.
1: I, I've actually been thinking about that
0: video. Because they- it's like
1: in Attack on Titan, like the the colossal Titan, oh it literally looks like a skyscraper. Yeah. It's like literally like towering over a city, but it's a fifty meter Titan. That's 150 feet. It's not that big. It's not that big at all. It's like it's like barely taller than like a, a medium-sized apartment that's building pretty tall <laughs> 50 yeah, feet it's pretty tall. 150 feet is very tall store, but it's smaller it, than it, a spacex yeah.
0: rocket wow really yeah that's, yeah. True.
1: Yeah. that's
0: 230 I feel like feet they play pretty fast and loose with the colossal titan scale in the but yeah <laughs> so. like the same
1: thing with like aaron aaron's titan like i think he's like 15 meters that's like less than 50 feet yeah and and uh, you're like but they always seem so huge and then you actually see uh, like the buildings they're like th- four story buildings and he's like the same height as them I'm like yeah I guess that makes sense <laughs> technically it makes sense it's just like the, the scale of Attack on Titan is very strange maybe I should do a video on that yeah, the apparently attack on titan is the number one tv show in the world right now Wow, good
0: it deserves to be absolutely it's it's better than game of thrones <laughs> Damn. Boom. Well, yeah. to be fair whoa. whoa oh come on guys everything's better than game of thrones at this point whoa.
1: <laughs> game of thrones is great game of thrones is
0: great and then until they season uh seven. they just kind of like we're like hey we got some star wars
1: stuff coming up in our future let's worry about that yeah it's yeah, been they on my part. Oh boy! And then, uh, yeah, then then they didn't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then one of them wrote Gemini Man. <laughs> also, uh, <laughs> I, I forget which one. I think David Benioff wrote. Uh, the Wolverine movie back in the day Ooh. with Ryan Reynolds.
0: Wait, Wolverine
3: Origins? Yeah, X-Men Origins X-Men Origins colon Wolverine.
0: Just one of the worst Dude, X-Men movie Dude, I
3: saw that movie when I was 12 years old and I loved it.
0: Really? <laughs> that was the worst <laughs> movie I asked for my money You, were, back. you must have been a little younger. He no, came I was out 10, before years that. Yeah, 10 years old. I, wow. Yeah, I was
1: in college when it came out. Mm-hmm. God damn, I don't know how we keep talking about our age difference accidentally, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so... Hey, guess what? It's that time of the episode again because this episode is brought to you by Storyblocks. Storyblocks is a complete stock solution. They have an unlimited library. They've got like over a million different video clips that you could download. They've also got project files for both After Effects and Premiere. Like you can actually get real templates to use in your videos. I legitimately love this website because it's a great way to like fill out your video, pad it out with high quality footage that you don't have to go out and shoot. Someone already did it. If you're serious about making content, like you gotta have Storyblocks in your arsenal. It just makes everything so easy. It's so affordable. And hey, if you work with a group of people, there are options for enterprise licensing so you can get everyone on the same account and download as much as you want. So if you're interested in learning more about this, all you gotta do is click the link in the description or go to storyblocks.com slash corridorcast to find out more information about Storyblocks. Yeah, so uh, back to this podcast. What are we talking about, guys? Guys?
3: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
2: I've got a question about all this unreal virtual production rendering.
3: Unity stuff.
2: Uh, <laughs> all the all the deep stuff. Okay, here here's the deep question. Uh what it, it, are you guys going to try to make this look real because there's always this disconnect no. with with video game <laughs> with 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 any video game in game like sequence cinematic cut cutaway it's like yeah this is cool but i know i'm in a video game
0: yeah 100% we are not going to try to make it look real we're going to see that uncanny valley from yeah. miles away and be like <laughs> let's not go to the bottom of that yeah uh, so, well, so the, how
2: well, do we so how do we lean into that and, well, and and like embrace the fact that it's not going to look real
1: it's 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 just it's just a video game you know when you're playing a video game you're not expecting it to be like movie level rendering and quality and whatnot because the amount of effort it takes to go from that that video game quality to you know friggin uh what's her name from blade runner 2049 is like <laughs> immense you know that's a huge jump but in order to get it to like like all your guys's faces like you're you're Accurate portrayals of yourself from character creator look pretty dang good.
3: Yeah. Like And, and also sorry, what's... But they're
1: not like photoreal. They're not like, wow, that's a <laughs> photorealistic render. It's just like, wow, that's Clinton a video game. Cool. Uh same thing anytime you see like a celebrity, like what's his face in in uh Death Stranding from Norman Reedus. Yeah, Norman Norman Reedus. Uh, in Death Stranding, you're like, Wow, that's Norman Reedus. That's that's pretty sweet. He's in my video game. But you're not like, that's a photoreal thing. I don't know. I don't yeah. think it's a problem.
3: It also just works because we're making the project we're working on is like set in a video game. So any jank we have with Unreal works contextually within the story.
0: Yeah. And you know, at the end of the day, just your characters have to be expressive, they have to be able to emote. You know, if you can't read the emotions, and that's the problem with a lot of games that try to go to that like photo thing or like where it's too motion captured, like where you're doing a motion capture performance, not a motion capture puppeteering, is that you end up with pretty flat expressions that you know, could be better and could be bigger. And it's just, you know, mouths opening and eyebrows raising up and down. And like, you gotta be able to push it so you can read emotions. Cause once again, at the end of the day, it's puppets, you know, show me a smiley face, show me a frowny face, show me angry eyebrows. So are show you me saying that eyebrows.
2: it's, it's going to lack, it's going to necessarily lack dramatics or?
0: No, what I'm saying is that when we're designing these characters, we're, we're not trying to make them look real. We're trying to make them expressive. Expressive comes like as way higher priority <laughs> versus Making it, it real,
1: but also real Got quick. Are, when you say what we're doing, right? Like, uh, are, are you talking about the Squidward thing right now? Oh, no, I guess I was,
0: I was, like, I was bleeding into local zero. In regards gotcha, to Squidward, okay, yeah. Squidward <laughs> is purely entertainment. It's yeah. purely
1: for the entertainment factor mm-hmm. because it's gosh darn entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Being able to be That's, like, this is Clint with massive chin. Yeah, it's, it's also a huge. Plastic it's surgery. also a
2: learning. Part part of the learning process too. It's, yes. you know, it's, it's very like, much so that
1: uh, all, a lot of our videos here are just like basically us trying to uh, rationalize time spent learning, <laughs> or not yeah. rationalize, but like whatever the best words utilize. Word, utilize uh, yeah. yeah, it's a like
0: rationalize.
1: <laughs> you know, it's like hey, I'm trying to learn how to do this thing. Might as well make a video about it, justify. and then it's like, justify. Thank you, <laughs> thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of the interesting go, things Peter. about doing the the Squidward thing is that. You know, so you first you start off at the base of the person's face and like actually studying someone's face as like an object to replicate in 3D is, is tricky because like there's a lot of shortcuts in your mind when you look at somebody's face that you forget about. Like, you know, our representation of an eye, like when you just when you draw an eye is pretty different than what an eye actually looks like. Like, for example, if you had somebody tried to draw an eye, you know, they OK, they do like an almond shape and they draw like the iris and the pupil in the center, maybe a little bit of shading, call it a day. Most people wouldn't do is actually shade the white parts of your eye. They probably have the white parts of your eye white. But you're, the white parts of your eye actually have a bunch of shading in them. They're not white. <laughs> there's a bunch of red, and there's a bunch of shadow that falls in it from your eye. Unless eyelids. you're in a YouTube thumbnail on or <laughs> Digital.
2: <laughs> yeah, Those are in the whitest eyes you'll we, we we'll ever your see. your eyes white and then drop the opacity. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that's, what, like, that's an example of, like, in your mind you think the white of an eye is white. In reality, it's not. Yeah. And you have to study reality <laughs> Uh, in an objective way which is tricky so like you know i was working on clint's face and after i kind of did my initial pass it's like i need to actually go and look at clint's face and objectively study it and see like where do the like the planes sit where do the the creases sit where do the angles sit how do they line up with each other and those are things that you think you know but you don't actually know and you have to sit down and look at them (laughs) oh
1: yeah like clint for instance is is modeling sam right and he's got sam like it looks pretty good. It looks like Sam. You take one look and you're like, that is Sam. But it, uh, there was something that I couldn't quite put my finger on. It was like, why does this still look wrong? And it was because he looks like possessed, like demonized, because his <laughs> eyes are brown. Or, or like the render of that, I don't know if Clint's fixed it by now, but like it, his eyes were really dark. Like the colored part of his eyes were like a dark brown. And it just, like from a glance eyes. made it, it looks like he just has the most dilated pupils of all time. <laughs> and so I actually went to the other room and I was like, Sam, look me in the eye. And he did, and I was like, "Can we gotcha. do?" And so I, so then do, I came back, and uh, I, I, so I told Clint, I was like, "His eyes are much closer to amber. They're almost mm. like orange in, in color. They're very light brown, and it's that that color contrast that really makes his eyes stand out. And I'm I'm fairly certain if if Clint just like changed the color to more of an orange than a brown, like lighten it up quite a bit, it would instantly
2: look way more like Sam.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Can we do like a cutaway of each of you guys, like?" in an intimate setting, like examining each other's faces very closely with like romantic music and black and white footage. (laughs) I'm
1: on my computer and like Nico comes walking into the room and, uh, Clinton Dean are like talking to Griffin and Nick or sorry, Nico like taps Clint and he's like, I need to look at your face.
0: <laughs> it's Come romantic. Day. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I need to look at your face. Come here. Yeah, we just stared into each other's soul for a little bit.
1: <laughs> also, before we continue, we are talking about a video that's coming out this Sunday on the Corridor Crew channel, and today is Thursday for you guys watching this the day this episode drops on the corridor, Unless
2: you're watching this live it's on
1: Digital.com. Because technically today is Tuesday.
0: So are there? Are there 16, 16 people watching? found oh, wow. the live like, is this on your like, if out. you go to cordodigital.com is it on like the main page? <laughs> no, it's just corridor.com So wow. sixteen
1: oh, wow. people have randomly clicked or gone to d slash live and found this. Peter,
2: did you tweet this? I
3: just sent it to my girlfriend wait did you really yeah it's her and all of her friends or something (laughs) yes uh, i'm sure she's sending it out to all of her friends
1: but this i guess what i'm getting at is we are talking about something that hasn't come out yet and this is the third time we've done that we did that with uh harry potter rated r we did it with the Mm. luke skywalker deep fake thing and there's every time there's comments being like you guys should put this out after it comes out we don't know what you're talking about i'm like
2: well i mean you're not wrong
1: (laughs) but we're doing this
2: intentionally this is like you know if you haven't yeah. noticed, we've been doing that for like the last few weeks. Is where yeah. we talk about what's upcoming, but that's because that's for the Troutons so that they know <laughs> what's about to what's about to drop. You know, yeah. it's it's it also a way it, better way to do it.
0: It I creates think. a I guess it creates appreciation for the thing that we're making when you actually get to see it because you know the thought processes and the stories behind what you're seeing. Mm. Well, well, plus
1: we're in the middle of it. We're not yeah. reviewing past stuff. Like if we were to record this next week after the video's already been not only finished but uploaded and we're already seeing people's reactions to it right now we're getting the raw mm-hmm. i uh, yeah. idealism of what we're trying
2: to do here we
3: don't know how yeah. people
2: are going to react to this yet you know we don't know but, what it's going to be like it's not as interesting i i think to look at it retroactively it's 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 more interesting to talk about it and to sort of like take a be in the middle of it take a moment reflect on what where you're at when you when you are in the middle of it because Like you said, Nico, then the outcome is maybe not the same as you had expected, Mm -hmm. but you Mm -hmm. can appreciate that a little bit more because it's, you know, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. This is like, this is like getting the, like the tour tape when you go to like a, a tourist location, the the audio (laughs) guide, this is the audio guide. This is the extra (laughs) experience
2: (laughs) for me to stop at each stop. Yeah, it's just like
1: it feels really novel to me. And I don't think anyone else is ever really doing something like this, or at least I don't know of any examples like that. There's always like, you know, director's commentary. The the product's all done, and now you have the people who made it talk about it, and that's like a very commonly like walked upon uh, thing, right? A lot of people have done that. We've done that for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, anytime we've we've talked about something we did on the podcast. Uh, I don't know. I find it really interesting to be talking about it before anyone else has seen it. While mm-hmm. we're still, while we're, before we've even done with it.
3: Yeah, all the it's thoughts are still swimming around. Yeah, you, know, you got stuff that comes right off the cuff.
1: So I, I kind of like it. So I know I, I'm sorry that we're talking about stuff that you won't be able to see for another few days, but
3: hey, it's a hype piece.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I think I'll oh, go map. ahead, Nico. Do yeah. No, you go so, Jake. The,
2: so the thing about is
1: sorry,
0: i was <laughs> to, try to interrupt you.
2: <laughs> well, I was going to say this ties in a little bit to also some of the stuff like uh we plan to do on Son of a Dungeon. Um mm-hmm. yeah. we we are creating these 3D environments and the hopefully i mean we see this is the other thing we have no idea if this math is all going to work out there's <laughs> there's some harebrained theory right now that we can capture <laughs> tracking data and then have it natively live in an iphone that then you can record into an iphone have it capture tracking data from that you gave it from after effects and then put that footage back into after effects and have the new footage just naturally track to the scene mm-hmm. um so so that's a whole nother like side. It's not exactly the same thing <laughs> as you guys are doing today, but it also utilizes a completely 3d environment mm-hmm. and it's a, and it's a totally new way to think about a 3d environment Yep. that what it, we have not even, I, so many things are going to go wrong. I, I don't, I don't <laughs> even know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's
1: true. But what it really comes down to right now is that we need to figure out a way to produce a lot of content, a lot of digital content and, you know, traditionally, for us, this like, all right, you plan your shot, and if it's going to be an entirely CG scene, you just have Peter spending, you know, three months
2: working every day <laughs> trying to get a Spider-Man short film done, <laughs> uh, or... Th- those <laughs> animations, though, Peter, those animations, man.
1: But my point is that, like, it takes a lot of brute force effort, and mm-hmm. we're, for Son of a Dungeon, you know, we have an eight-hour campaign. I mean I don't know how long it is eight episode campaign, half of it's filmed already, and we're gonna be going through and reenacting scenes or moments from the gameplay uh you know as if we're actually in the the game itself like that's we could we could do that the traditional way you film us on a green screen, you uh do all the effects and whatnot, but it's like we're talking hundreds of shots. we gotta figure out a way to streamline that as efficiently as possible
2: mm-hmm. yeah. and so yeah.
1: That's what we're yeah. trying to do right now. Because you don't... the first thing that comes to my mind is streamlining all this stuff is that it's just going to look bad. It's like, we also don't want that. So it's, I, th- I think it's a lot of our effort right now is trying to figure out the best way to kind of like find the right balance between doing something very good looking, but also making it really easy to be able to just, all right, this is the moment I just want you to look around me like, oh yeah, I just fell off of a cliff and now I'm climbing back up. it And it's like, all right, and you do it. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, oh, final product, done, cool next I'm
2: next one we got super to... concerned about it having to look real like well not it's real not like i'm saying tri- look like good there's a difference between looking good and looking real yeah, yeah that's true that's true i i i guess like yeah having it look good is a, is a big deal um we do want that uh <laughs> but, but people people will for people will forgive people will forgive us if it doesn't look like uh you know lord of the rings oh you sure like yeah the, i don't think we're even trying <laughs> to no, make it look like ltr no, not but just Water. like being in that Water. little world with like the music playing and like especially when we first show some of those shots like the first few shots that we show of us in the mini world you know we have to do some sort of camera trick and then the the actors like as we're walking along we need to like look up and be like oh <laughs> oh hey you know as if you just shrunk down with us and now we're we're realizing how small we are like little <laughs> little tricks like that to help you know like ease people into it and then once once that happens i think we can kind of do whatever once people get get understanding of how that format is functioning yeah.
3: so these animations are you guys going to be in characters in character as your D D characters mm-hmm. in these animations
1: well th- yeah w- we're gonna be filmed on a green screen right but the idea is that the camera tracking is done at the same time as the footage is being recorded so we don't have to go back and like camera track every single shot Mm -hmm. because it's like it's not that hard to throw a a green screen effect on a shot it's like all right you pick your color and done you know you might require a little bit of polishing but Mm -hmm. the camera tracking is the hardest part in that story yeah so it's like and then just ideally you get a background that's just ready to go you can literally just drop it in Render it and you're good to go. That's the idea.
0: Yeah, so I mean, with with Son of a Dungeon, the the trick that we're doing for this whole thing is two tricks. One is that we are using photogrammetry to rebuild the sets in 3D. So which is super cool. By it's the super way. cool. It looks awesome. <laughs> <Super> <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> so Sam and Spencer, after we do a game, take a bunch of pictures of the game board, which is all using Dwarven Forge miniatures, and basically with all those pictures, you can replicate the game board in, as a 3D model with textures. Uh, So we have a fully realized 3D set landscape with, you know, taverns and walkways and (laughs) caverns and fields and trees. And like all this stuff would take you days and days and days and days to put together. And we don't have to do any of that. It's just take pictures and you're done. So Mm -hmm. trick number one, trick number two is that we are then using a program for the phone called CamTrack AR, which is made by the guys at FX home. I love those guys. Yeah, me too. I mean, that's how we got our start. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and so CamTrack AR is using Apple's ARKit uh, API to basically give you a real-time motion-tracked camera as a either an After Effects file or potentially an FBX. I think they're working on that right now. <laughs> um, alongside your video. So you record the, the shot on your phone. You don't need tracking markers or anything like that. And when you're done, the shot is saved in a little folder alongside like an FBX file that contains the like a 3D replication of your camera's motion. <laughs> so you can grab that, pop it onto your computer in After Effects or in Cinema 4D or whatever, and your footage lines up with your virtual camera instantly. You don't have to do Dude, any tracking after the fact. It's super amazing. There's a couple limitations in that CamTrack AR is stuck using your phone's image buffer, which is different than the quality of the video you get or the pictures you get when you and actually that's, take that's a And that's not their fault, to be clear. That's that's, that's Apple's, Apple's fault. Yeah. It's,
1: it's, an, it's a limitation Apple has placed on their whole AR platform.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, you know, they are increasing the quality of that as the phone's hardware, you know, gets better and better over time. But it's one of the things that, you know, they have to think about how this affects all their phones. So like, it's a, you know, it's a gradual rollout. Things don't happen instantly. Yeah. Um, but it's going to get better. Yeah. I'm It'll get that, better before you know it. I'm hoping that a couple guys at Apple or gals at Apple are listening to the podcast or watching the channel. They're like, yeah, you know, maybe we should just bump up the quality a little bit.
1: I mean, please, do it! Do it!
3: Man, I can't Let wait us wait use until, the 4K video. I can't wait until this technology is available in actual
0: film cameras. That's never going to happen.
1: No, I wouldn't say that either. That's never going to happen. Why? Film
0: cameras? No, I'm kidding. no. Oh, no. no God, I'm kidding, it, I'm, I'm kidding. Wow, I was not but prepared actually, for that. I actually cameras. don't think it's really going to happen too much with digital cameras because I think I think phones are just going to become the digital camera of the future. I
1: Things think like, I think that's a reasonable yeah, argument. I, know, I hope it's not the case, but...
0: Yeah, it's only a matter of, like, give it 10 years and, like, the whole, like, oh, I need to use my, you know, full-frame Sony camera to get depth of field. Like, no, your phone's depth sensor combined with this AI is going to give you whatever focus you want to do at any point in time before or after you get the shot, mm-hmm. along with your real-time tra- tra- tracked camera, along with all your other settings that are, you know... Fancy yeah, dude, real time,
1: like high quality bokeh. Yeah. Like, I mean, am going to have an F1.8 be... on my little tiny sensor. Like, yeah.
2: <laughs> there's going to be, okay. uh, uh, like, high end use cases for cinema cameras. But yeah, but no, but like, you know, no one's
0: like, you're not going to be... go out of their way to make. Those features for high-end cinema cameras because they're one-time use cases. You know that's when they're like, go and get your Vive trackers and make your own program. Like, right. no one's going to sit yeah. there and make the AR kit for mm. Panavision's you know two hundred thousand no. dollar cinema camera. Man. And, they and, did.
2: and the average <laughs> the average digital creator is going to go to go more into that. I I, I could see like Black Magic saying. doing it.
1: I can see them implementing in like the the pocket eight K camera that'll be announced next year. That's also pure speculation. I made that up. Uh, <laughs> you know, like they just have a feature like, oh yeah, it also uh, it live tracks uh, your scene. What I really? Because it's like fancy cameras these
0: days are basically phones too. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. what they need to everybody needs to get on is getting like the GoPro style stabilization into your camera. Like, Ugh, I would love Blackmagic, because Sony has it for their A7 cameras. Oh, really? When you when you edit the videos in Sony's, like, proprietary video editor, there's a file with each shot that you can drop in there, and now you just have a slider to stabilize your shot, because it has all the IMU data attached to it. Wow. Uh, which is awesome. So all the bumps and jitters and things like that, you don't need to use, like, warp stabilizer. There's literally just a feature now in the, that, that those programs you can turn on. And I'd love it if Blackmagic had that in their cameras. Wait,
3: what is I mean, Sony's editing software called? I like imaging Vegas something like that. Ne- or- Vegas. That's Vegas. what I was looking for.
1: <laughs> Sunny. Vegas. I don't think Nico's talking about Vegas, though. Okay, yeah. <laughs> no. Nah. Um, but what you're talking Maybe about has been actually. done for years in in GoPros using a program called Real Steady, which was designed by a dude. I think his name is Robert McIntosh. He lives like in in Santa Monica, like, hmm. and he sold it to GoPro, so he doesn't technically own it anymore. But like, it basically did that exact thing. GoPros have IMUs in it, uh, initial inertial measurement units, hmm. uh, to basically measure the rotation of a thing. So it knows when the camera like tilts down, it doesn't have to read the image like warp stabilizer does to know that it's like tilting down to counteract that. And, it's the
0: same thing that the Insta360 cameras have. Yeah, which is yeah. a game changer for Insta360 cameras. Absolutely.
1: And but yeah so it's like it's a basically a way to like get really accurate stabilization for a camera but it has to happen at the hardware level and mm. you know red had IMUs in it Back in like the Red Epic or even the Red One, I don't know. Uh, yeah, and no one ever did anything with it. It was the biggest disappointment. Wow. Those cameras for me.
0: That's surprising. One of the issues is that uh, it needs to be adjusted based on the lenses you're using. Mm. So your image stabilization is different for each lens. That is
1: true. That actually is probably the biggest reason why they. <laughs> well,
0: never... That it was probably not an IMU that was fast enough to like give you uh, a frame by frame accurate representation of motion. IMUs are like a thousand frames per second. Red's IMU was used mainly for just telling if you're shooting portrait versus (laughs) landscape.
1: (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) Yeah. But most of the IMUs are like operate at like a thousand hertz. It's or more. And that it's been that way for a long time. How do they work? IMUs? Yeah well you got i'm just assuming you know <laughs> well there's there's three different types of IMUs. you got your accelerometer you got your gyroscope and the magnetometer or magnetometer the accelerometer
2: and the magnometer are going out of control ren fix it <laughs>
1: uh the magnometer uh magno magnometer, magnetometer fancy word for a compass it's a compass <laughs> um it's basically able to uh derive uh absolute orientation Uh, A gyro is able to very accurately measure rotation and whatnot, and an accelerometer is able to measure uh, acceleration. So if you're going at a constant speed, it's going to read zero. But if you start accelerating, like speeding up, it's going to give you a measurement. And from that, you can actually... Derive a whole bunch of like pretty accurate info from it. It can be noisy, so you have to throw filters on it, and that's why I use all three to kind of like have. It's like the checks and balances system in a government. So
4: um,
1: when you get one dictator taking over the magnetometer, suddenly it's like it starts going in the wrong direction. Um,
3: you know, I think those Rococo suits have magnetometer magnet magnetometers magnetometer. Mag- magnetometers suits have magnetometers in them because I w- I was working with my Rococo suit in San Francisco. I came down to LA. It stopped working. I was like, oh, why isn't my suit working? I had to talk to the support people or whatever. They were like, did you change the city you're oh. in? I was like, no. I changed it to LA. It started working because it was based on the magnetic fields on the yeah. planet. It's yeah. crazy.
1: I, I mean, yeah. Oh. It's that That is actually pretty crazy. I didn't realize that would it would have that kind of effect, but I don't. I have very little experience working with the number of sensors that you'd have in a motion capture suit. Yeah. Do
0: you think Earth's magnetic pole is going to flip within our lifetime?
1: I hope not. What? Is that a Dude, the last mm-hmm. time it happened, it led to like a massive extinction event. Did it? Yeah, yeah. it was we like did, forty or fifty thousand years happen, ago. Man. I wouldn't say massive, but it did lead to a, a big a, bit of a ecological disaster. Because
0: it's in the process of doing it.
1: Kind of. Yeah. Kind Are you of? telling me? But the process is goes on working. for like a hundred thousand
2: yeah. years, doesn't it?
1: No, 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 no. It's um, shorter. It's it's much shorter, but okay. I, I don't know. I don't know the exact time frame. I don't know if we're talking like over the course of a year or over the course of like a day, or over the course of a decade. I'm not exactly sure, but definitely less than like a hundred thousand years. One
0: thing I'm really hoping to see, like before I die, is a star going supernova in the Dude, sky. Me too. I yeah. mean, Beetlejuice is
1: the is our closest uh, yeah. uh, example, but that could be. It's literally on death's doorstep right now. Yeah, Beetlejuice is set to explode any minute, wow. but any minute in astrophysics terms might be now or in ten thousand years. Yep. Is that
3: going to have any effect? Pretty on much us any minute.
1: <laughs> no, it won't. Ha- you'll we'll be able to see it, mm. but it won't actually affect us. Like no the rays are too far away anything. to actually like harm us. But it will be super bright. It will be brighter than the full moon. Whoa! Yeah, just imagine just a star that's so bright it's like the full moon. So it's, it's like it'll never get dark. That'd be Whoa. so cool. Yeah.
2: It'd be <laughs> amazing. I'd love to see it. Yeah. How long would that last for?
0: About, like about a couple
1: life? months. It'd be like Yeah. Yeah. Wild. It'd be nuts. That was super cool. But who knows when that'll happen? We'll never know until it's happening.
0: <laughs> Isn't there a theory that the the Star of Bethlehem was a supernova? Whoa. I don't know what that is Star of Bethlehem? What you know, is that? In the, the Jesus story.
1: The yeah. Christmas story. You don't show. know what the
0: star of Bethlehem
2: is, son? <laughs> What's <laughs> a Somebody Jesus? Somebody didn't go to Sunday school. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> That's the star that was over Jesus during his birth. It's part oh. of the nativity nativity legend. The lore. <laughs> oh, I see what you're
1: saying. No, I have heard of that. I have heard of that. Yeah. I have heard it. I, I don't know. It's yeah, there, like, Jesus, there, there he was, was like, the ma- eyes, the right?
2: and they saw a star, and it was in the star, and then they followed it, and then it led them to where Jesus was, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Dude, my other, yeah. my other
0: favorite, like, ancient history conspiracy theory is that the Dark Ages were triggered by a meteor impact.
2: We would That's have evidence so of that if that we was the case, would. though. We would definitely have evidence.
0: They have some evidence, but yeah, you know, I don't have any evidence. <laughs> they have, you like, mean Discovery like History Channel, channel, channel evidence, or <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> what? level of evidence. evidence are we talking
1: here? <laughs> I always thought the Dark Ages were the result of just like an extreme economic collapse.
0: What are the uh, Dark and Ages? The Dark Ages are the time after the Roman Empire fell. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the Roman Empire was, you know, we had roads and we had books and we had libraries, you know, all that kind of stuff, and then then nothing until wow. the Renaissance. Well. It's a bit well, of the middle number. ages like In you know like around the 1000 but like... the middle ages didn't really start until like yeah 1900 around there so yeah, there was sure. 900 years where i mean once again it's not like there was nothing but where we had the dark ages and the thing hmm. the thing that actually happened or from my understanding is that we basically went through a cold snap um and it was almost like a mini, not a mini ice age, but you know, a, a severe climate change, yeah. um, which is actually what pushed a lot of the people down into the Roman Empire from the northern regions. Interesting, uh, yeah. which led to that, yeah. that strife.
2: There's, huh. there's a lot. Go- That's like a super, r- ca- like casual overview. Yeah, it's it's...
1: Nico's casual history moment right here. Thank you, you trutons, for tuning in to Corridor's
2: hardcore history. (laughs) Okay, guys, I got this one. I'm a history buff. Okay, are you ready, Peter?
3: I'm so ready. All
2: right, so the Roman Empire, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know. Great soup. it, It didn't actually become an empire until, well, not until Augustus, really. Caesar sort of started the whole thing. But then, you know, Roman Empire starts to fizzle out, you know, 300, 400, 500 A.D., Mm -hmm. They got sacked a bunch of times. It didn't just collapse (laughs) all at once. So there was like a 300 year period where its influence kind of like left. Right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. collapsed. And then after that, not only was there a weather thing going on, but it also refers to like humanity's knowledge base dark oh. dark as in like not like the light of the, the luminescence of knowledge and of humans transferring information from one to the other so that like civilization might be built had gone dark and then the, the middle ages the medieval times you know are, are just the mid the middle point between then and now huh. um and then the renaissance means the, <laughs> the rebirth, rebirth. Which is the, the, the rebirth of knowledge and science and, and information gathering and sharing. So,
3: why is hearing this right now so much more interesting than when I was hearing it in school 10
1: years ago? <laughs> yeah, you I, same thing, man. <laughs> same
2: thing. I, I think the
1: school system is fundamentally flawed. Yeah. No, at a fundamental level. Like, obviously, <laughs> no. I think school is good and I think teachers are great. I'm just saying, like, how school like works in general yeah is it can it has a lot of areas to be improved but those improvements yeah. would be like fundamentally different so it's like it's not even really worth talking about if you're trying <laughs> to be productive yeah i mean
3: it works great for some people but everybody's so different you know yeah. what works for one person is not going to work for me because it didn't and i uh <laughs> i skated my way through <laughs>
2: Yeah, most people don't don't <laughs> don't find interest in something until like they realize like what knowing something about it how that uh, improves themselves. You know, hmm. like we're all self interested in that way. Like you're not going to care about something unless you understand how it localizes to you. Yeah. Um, in general, why and do I, I have to learn s-
1: trigonometry? I'm never going to use this yeah well that's always the thing when
2: you're in high school it's like why do i have to learn this i'm never gonna use it this is stupid man
3: i've been having to use trig recently (laughs) and i'm like why didn't i take this in high school
1: (laughs) i love trigonometry actually trig's great
3: yeah ren's been helping me
0: with trigonometry wasn't
1: have i a little bit oh okay cool
2: i mean i've totally been helping peter you need my help
0: you know i found
2: trigonometry helped me the most when i played pool oh yeah Huh. Because it's all like I mean, that's a little bit more geometry, in, but in, yeah, interesting. It's not trigonometry, but it's just my really shallow understanding of trigonometry, <laughs> trying to apply it to something in my own life. And I mean, totally. I, fa- I mean, yeah, absolutely.
1: That, found, that's yeah. applicable right there. Fun
0: trigonometry to be like the last math subject that was like relatively easy to grasp.
1: Hmm.
0: I mean, it's still complicated, but like the process of solving trigonometry was relatively straightforward. Because then calculus came after that. That wasn't straightforward anymore. Oh no!
2: I never had to take calculus.
0: Me neither. I took calculus four. Damn. Whoa! I took uh, two levels of calculus in college, also. So calc one and two were hard,
1: and then calc three and four is not even called calculus anymore it's just called like uh
2: differential equations and vector calculus
1: then there's linear algebra
0: (laughs) yeah gross (laughs) yeah my
2: my buddy that i went to uh undergrad with uh ended up getting a graduate phd in math uh, uh, applications and and now he works at deloitte like (laughs) when they when they need to understand like if there's a if there's an international business merger (laughs) Happening between like one company and another, and they have like all these different like assets in this in all these different types of money and and assets across the globe. They basically are like, hey, uh I won't mention his name, but they're like, hey, I'll just call him Bill. They're like, Bill, uh, we you need to figure out um like how we're gonna do this and whether or not it's gonna be profitable.
3: Whoa. (laughs) And he'll he'll take all
2: of those applications of like what a currency is sitting at. And they have this much in this form of currency and have this much in this form of currency and this much in this real estate market in this country. And if you take it all and you put it over here or you turn it into this currency for like a week or a year, then you'll get this back. And like all this insane, like super high level global corporate stuff. It's it's wild, man. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, anyways, uh, made all of us look like Squidward. And it was funny. <laughs> 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 but, like, so you're, got you're got kind of talking a little
1: bit us. about uh, us, like, trying to learn all this stuff. Um, so you've gotten really into unreal like you hardcore fast-tracked your your unreal knowledge over the last few months yeah you're making a freaking video game i'm still making a
3: video game and of course
1: sam Sam, uh has been like he's sam's always doing his own thing just off by himself doing (laughs) his own thing and he spent the whole like last year uh learning unreal because he was kind of playing around with unity at the beginning of 2020 and i will take credit for this i convinced him to go to unreal oh really Mm -hmm. why is that just cause it seemed more applicable to stuff that we were doing mm. stuff that we could do. Uh, Matt Workman, uh, cinematography DB, I think. Yeah. Cinematography database, uh, <laughs> is <laughs> yes. Database. Yes. Uh, <laughs> You know, he was, he's been doing all that stuff. And I was like, you know what, Sam, you should really do that. And like, obviously, it's all Sam's decision. and He put in all the hard work, but I, I kind of like nudged him in that direction. <laughs> anyway, my point is: uh, and then Based Miko, on original you also...
2: concepts by Ren Wykman. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <Directed> <laughs> <by Lindberg. laughs>
1: and Nico has also been like getting really into Unreal lately. And I, I was like, man, these guys have gotten in all, all into Unreal. And I know at the end of December, I was like, I'm going to get into Unreal too. But I've changed but my Unreal mind. Unreal 2 is
0: not out? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm just waiting for Unreal 3. <laughs>
0: Dude, Unreal 5 oh, We're actually uh, on 4.26. The preview of Unreal 5. Oh, yeah, that's 5 right. Is we
1: actually are. <laughs> yeah.
0: The preview of Unreal 5 is supposed to drop this year. <gasps> Ooh. Oh, baby. Yeah. Ooh, I'm baby. not be going to go into that yet. But you should continue. With my point is that
1: I've decided to learn Houdini instead of Unreal because I feel like that would best complement your guys's experience and knowledge of unreal so that if i think that'd be awesome yeah um yeah i I, I want because unreal is cool and all and i do want to learn it at some point i do think it is critical to the future of a lot of stuff that i want to do but you know i only have so much time in the year to like learn new things because learning stuff is hard especially hard stuff
2: can you explain (laughs) ren how those two are complementary for the layman
1: yeah so basically houdini asking is... asking for a friend i swear <laughs> houdini's really in a really advanced 3d package it's not so much good at like modeling things but it's good at building systems okay and houdini's like it seems like magic hence the na- the name you know the famous magician houdini Um uh, so it's really good at being able to build procedurally generated objects. And what I mean by that, let's say you want to you wanna build a building. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, in, in Cinema 4D, you would basically model you know, the foundation, the building itself. You'd then go in and model all the different windows and maybe like the molding around the windows and the bricks and all that stuff. But in C4D, sorry, in Houdini, instead of doing all that manual stuff, because once, you, once you've made that in Cinema 4D, you have a model and your your ability to change that is kind of limited whereas in houdini then you can go through and uh rather in houdini you basically build it out with parameters instead you're like all right i want this to be basically you're building everything with sliders so that that way once you've made your thing you've built out your building now you can actually change it you can make it be twice as tall but have it correlate out to the number of floors the floors sizes are always the same you can change the size of the window you can randomize everything so then like once you put in all this effort to build this one building suddenly you can have a city every building is different and it's a slightly different ways or extreme ways so then you can the reason why that works with unreal is that you can port it over to unreal if you want to make a game or something and you just want to randomly procedurally generate a level yeah you put in all the work to uh basically build out the, your parameters for your whatever you're making, and it could be anything. I'm using a building as an example, and then you can use those dials in Unreal to make it fit your scene as you want it. Also, mm-hmm. the thing that interests me more than that is the simulation side of things. Oh, yeah. it can simulate pretty much anything in Houdini <laughs> It is the software package of choice for all hollywood studios for doing dynamics and effects and stuff like mm-hmm. that when, like when i say effects, exploding, I'm buildings exploding crumbling things. fire explosions smoke in the sky liquid f- pouring through everything you can pretty much do all of that in houdini mm-hmm. um and most vfx ha- uh, houses
3: use that for that uh, and it looks damn good
1: yeah and that also works with uh with unreal you can simulate your your crazy stuff like you could have a building literally collapse and you can uh s- bake that out save it out and mm-hmm. import that into Unreal, and I don't exactly know the specifics of how they integrate together yet. I just know that they can.
3: Well, yeah, in so, Half Life Alex, that's what they did for the Strider scene, where every the buildings are exploding and there's a bunch of debris everywhere. Oh, they did the all crash. those, yeah, and the plane crash, train crash, train crash, yeah, um,
0: all are of those. Alembic files, right? probably Olympics. something like that
1: i have fallen in love with olympic files this year they are the future of everything mm-hmm. yeah olympic files
0: I did a amazing. little bit of messing with olympic files actually like last year yeah they're really cool yeah. <laughs> it's so easy actually yeah. to transfer stuff mm-hmm. it's like no more yeah. keyframe data and things like that just like yeah just kick out your olympic file mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm glad that some like i'm glad that people in the industry are getting together to like solve these common problems <laughs> you have to do all the time like aces is people getting together to solve like, Hey, we all shoot on different cameras and we ended up putting them all into the same timeline. Now I have to match all the colors and it's a pain in the butt. And I have to do it every time. It's like, is there a way we can fix that? Yes. Aces.
1: And now huh. I, I don't fully understand how aces works. I know, I know
0: what it is, but like how, <laughs> so there's a thing called an IDT for cameras that don't shoot in raw. So an IDT is an image, something transform image data transform. I think, uh, Basically all it is is it's like whatever your camera's shooting in, whether you're Sony or your Canon or your whatever, whatever you're shooting in, there's an IDT file. If the company's a pro company and they got their stuff together, they give you an, there's an IDT file that's built, you know, built into the ACES packages that will take that color profile and basically invert it and remove all of like the color data and turn it back into just regular basic data.
4: Wrong. So you
0: can then remap that data into any color space that you want. So wow. when you shoot in RAW, you're, that's basically where you're at already. Um, you know, your RAW is just numbers. It's just basically representing the electron signals, electronic signals you're getting off your sensor. Um, and at some point, those signals need to be turned into an image, and that's when you process your RAW and you debayer it into an image. Um, so something in RAW is basically already in ACES because you just go right from the RAW into an ACES color space. But there's a lot of cameras that don't shoot in RAW, but they have what's called the IDT, which can then transform their color space into basically that completely neutral color space, which then is aces. Mm. Um, and then from aces, you can make it so it looks good on a TV and make it. So it looks good on a movie projector, but every camera is arriving at the same common starting point. So every camera looks the same. All the colors are the same. All the contrast is the same. You're just starting with every camera as if they were all shooting the exact same color profile.
3: Okay. Question. So you have a 5d Mark III that mm-hmm. has nowhere near the dynamic range of the red that shoots mm-hmm. raw. You feed this 5d footage into the aces algorithm or whatever Mm -hmm. and it strips it of all that color contrast saturation Mm -hmm. data and gives you the raw not exactly raw but the data back Mm -hmm. wouldn't it be like clipping or like how does it deal Mm -hmm. with the difference in dynamic range
0: i mean you know if the camera's clipped it'll clip out to white
3: Mm.
0: you'll get i mean you'll get the the higher contrast look so to speak but it's going to be mapped so the contrast is going to be mapped to the actual light values correctly Mm. so like You know, something that's twice as, like, if you have one side of your face that's uh, twice as bright as the other side of your face, that will be represented the same with the same intensity across all the cameras. Okay, I think
1: I have an analogy here. Let me know if this is wrong. You know how you have, like, object space and world space and 3D packages? (laughs) What if you have all these different 3D models? They're all different cameras, and they're all in object space. (laughs) And ACES is basically, like taking each of those objects and switching it to world space. Exactly. So that everyone is going off of the same world coordinates rather than their local subjective coordinates. That's basically what's happening. Okay. Oh. Where, okay. Where, in that, end-
2: where in that are the uh, lamp stands that are welded to the... <laughs> <laughs> are
0: they in there?
1: <laughs> <laughs> i Picking- Wow, okay. Well, the funny
0: <laughs> thing is like ACES is kind of going back to the same thing that's happening in like video game engines and rendering engines, which is when you're doing the calculations for light, You want light to be like linear. Basically, if something's going to be twice as bright as something else, you know, one's going to have a value of one. The other one should have a value of two. Like mathematically, that's how things need to work for all of your, you know, addition and subtraction and multiplication to work correctly when you're adding layers together. And so ACES is going to make sure that whatever camera you're using, if you film something that's twice as bright as something else in your scene, that the values are going to be twice as high. You know, so they're not going to have any weird messed up color curves or things like that that are messing it up. Mm. So, like, all your calculations are going to fit. Everything's going to be even across the board and so on and so forth. Wow. Because we already have log uh,
1: images, which are basically – they look black and white. They look incredibly flat and low contrast. But it's just – that's, like, the camera's way of maximizing the data retention for an image. (laughs) But
0: the problem is that all cameras – Still do that differently. And yeah, it's log mm-hmm. is like the most unscientific scientific approach to <laughs> camera imaging. Like, yeah, there's no science in log. Once you get down to it, it's like every camera's. It's just everybody is screwing around, basically making low contrast <laughs> picture profiles <laughs> for you to later than fix when you get into your computer.
1: Oh, but then directors they see that log image on the monitor and mm-hmm. then they no, start growing so attached it. to it. So then the final video <laughs> oh, or the final movie is very flat because they didn't really correct it because the director liked that look. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that was real big back in the day when the Alexas were hitting the market. Yeah. You saw a lot of flat colors. Yep. Yep. Anyway, so (laughs) Aces, I
1: know I've... So Aces is just a way to basically have a bunch of different cameras all looking the same in your timeline. Because that's been Mm -hmm. a big problem, like you're saying. It's like a colorist has to go through and match this camera to the next camera. And that requires him to basically choose like a master camera to match all the other cameras, Mm -hmm. too.
0: Yeah. And not only does it make all your cameras match, it also makes all of your math correct. So when huh. you're using, like, an offset slider, it's actually correctly, uh, app- correctly applying the offset math. Hmm. When you're going to take two layers and add them together, you're getting a correct addition. Now, how is this different from a linear workflow? It is a linear workflow. Never mind. ACES <laughs> <laughs> is basically a fancy way of saying linear. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yep. Yeah, Okay. But
2: that's, I mean, that's kind of, uh, I think that's a good, like, place to maybe end it but because it it sort of hits home like you know that aces format and all the little things that people uh discover along the way yeah aces character creator
0: and... alembic like all these things yeah they're all professionals came together and be like look we're all solving the same problem over and over let's just come up with a way to actually make this so would you
1: say aces is aces a standard
0: yes okay mm. what's that stand for Academy Color Encoding System, cool.
1: Wasn't there like a uh, Aces Twenty Twenty or something like that? Some sort of color standard from the Oscars or yeah, that's, that's Aces. That, that is Aces. ACES. That is the, the
0: Academy, the Film Academy, okay. Academy Color Encoding System. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's the best of the best guys out there who are like, yeah, we invented color grading. It's like Technicolor. It's like yeah, you know, we invented color. Uh, you know, in your movies and pictures and TV, like that—that's us. We're the ones who started that. <laughs> it's like them plus all the other people that are doing it these days. That's really cool. And you know what's really funny? This is my part where I complain about Adobe. Oh, no. <laughs> oh I'm ready. Let's get Sponsored into it. Blind. Blind. All right. Adobe ever. Premiere. We can support all the camera formats, except for Blackmagic, you know, the one camera that everybody likes to use for indie filmmaking, but not them. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> we support all camera formats, but we also don't support Aces because we don't, you know... <laughs> wait, you use Aces in Premiere? They don't have Aces in Premiere. Wait, really? Yeah. I know. Isn't Great. that messed up? Like, Aces have been out for, like, four years now.
1: I wonder if that's, like, is it because Blackmagic uh, DaVinci is a competitor and they're, like... No, because Aces isn't a uh, Black Magic thing. Sure, sure. But, like, I mean, okay, that kind of destroys my argument a little I, bit. But I, like, think I feel like they're kind of like a pioneer of the Aces. In ter- I'm
0: they kidding. are. And, well, I mean. <laughs> Adobe's very spiteful. <laughs> to be fair, DaVinci Resolve is the industry standard for color grading. Yeah. Um, but I think it's more because Premiere is built on a bunch of different legacy systems of how to edit. And then, like, you know, this is the thing. Like, when the professionals got together, they'd be like, what's the simpler way to do this? Ah, let's do it this way. Then dub's like, (laughs) (laughs) we didn't do that.
4: (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) My gut reaction is to always try to defend Adobe.
2: I always am like, Adobe's great. Adobe is great.
1: (sighs) But I'm getting tired, man.
2: (laughs) It's got a special place in all of our hearts. Let's be honest. Well, it's
1: because it's what I use. It's it's like, I know Adobe After Effects very well. I I know Adobe Premiere pretty well, and I could do pretty much anything I want using these programs, and I think they're great most of the time. And yet, I don't know. I do
3: have some complaints, dude. Most of the time now, it's like an hour before I can start editing in Premiere. Really? Like on my home computer, I'm like yeah. bug fixing for the first hour, like every
0: single time. Okay, I, open I don't it. have that problem. At least.
3: It's so frustrating.
0: Yeah, yeah. Adobe Adobe kind of feels like like me, where it's like I'm getting a little older. Like I learned Mental Ray, I learned 3DS Max Everybody else is using Cinema 4D And now they're using Blender, and now they're using Unreal I was just a 3DS Max guy back in the day Like, I could try to learn Blender, but I'm just a Freaking baby now, I'm gonna be like, what makes me Special if I try learning Blender now? Peter's way better at it than I am, it's gonna take me 10 years to get to where Peter is And that's Premiere right now <laughs> It's like, we, we did, you know, we did Editing really good, like, 15 years ago, 10 years Ago, like, we were the guys, like when, when I, you left Final Cut Pro 7, you came to Premiere, because that's our, our workflow. And it's like, oh, things really changed a lot. I <laughs> oh. think you really
1: hit it on the head a moment ago when you said it's built on a lot of legacy layers. Yeah. That's what it comes down to, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's like, why doesn't Adobe have a better 3D system? Why doesn't it have a node-based system? It's all still layer-based. Uh, and, and, and it's like, we. I remember asking one of the, the product developers at NAB uh, <laughs> in charge of like customer feedback and bug reporting or whatever remember that Mm -hmm. i asked him whenever i'm inside of rotobrush every time i click to draw like a a little brush stroke the entire and i let go the entire image goes black for a second (laughs) and comes back (laughs) and it's very distracting when i'm trying to like track something where my it's not that big of a deal i'm able to get by and Mm -hmm. he was like yeah we can't fix that (laughs) <laughs> that was literally his response is like wow. there's too much code from like years past that we can't really it would require overhauling everything to fix that so we're not wow that was i'm paraphrasing but that was basically his response i remember i remember being there being like are you serious <laughs>
2: <laughs> you yeah. can't fix what, that why wouldn't they design up new a new
1: platform and who knows i i'm I, that, I don't know how much trouble they're having behind the scenes
2: to be able to like restructure no, but, okay, from the ground but up here, their but stuff. here listen listen okay i'm gonna put my businessman hat on for a second okay <laughs> if i had a stock that was the same hat. <laughs> x x number of years ago it was like it's it's more than doubled okay in like the last six years adobe stock mm. now hmm. they're sitting on a mountain of cash They've got more subscribers to their suite than ever. They probably can afford more R&D right now than ever before. Why wouldn't you at at some point just go, guys, like we're going to take we're going to hire on new people. or We're going to take our best veterans that we have and we're going to send them all over here to rebuild something that's going to be more efficient for years to come.
0: I think you answered your own question when you started this. It's because their stock doubled in the past six years; they're making a bunch of money. Why right, would they but do you that? Know, but you <laughs> also, don't need
2: to. You don't need to release that. But you need to develop it so that way your do stock to... starts going back down, as as everyone leaves, you can in go. Fairness, oh, and by the way, here's a new product.
1: Yeah. In all fairness, mm-hmm. maybe they are. Maybe we don't know. That maybe, maybe they are may- fantastic. Because like, what they need to do is literally just literally start building a new effects program from scratch.
0: Yes. They
1: need to throw away everything that was previously used. Throw it away. Like take the concepts, but don't use any of the code. Yeah. It's going to take a lot of time to rebuild a program from scratch,
0: but with the amount of money we're paying them and everybody else is paying them, they should do it. They should be doing
1: one of the worst things as an, as an artist is when you lose your work from a crash. Like you forgot to save your auto saves weren't working. And it's like, wow, I just lost two hours of work. It sucks. It's a it's a it's a one of the worst feelings. She's so like, I just lost two hours of my life. Not only that, now I have to go back and do it again.
2: Can you imagine <laughs> if, <laughs> if there like, was a oh. can you imagine so, if there was a sorry, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: And so so it's like <laughs> you're like, oh, it this is this hurts so much to do. And yet inevitably, without fail, every single time after you've redone it, it is better. <laughs> it yep. is always better. Yeah. Because you, 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 you learned from like the little tiny micro mistakes you made, kind of stumbling your way through the process of anything you ever do, and now when you have to redo it, suddenly like, oh, when I stepped on that, that tile, the floor dropped out and I fall into a dungeon. I'm not going to step on that tile. And you're just like... That's so true. Not
2: today, tile.
1: Clint, Clint and I like to call it the Andrew Price method, because uh, when we're on <laughs> a, a podcast with him, he was kind of describing us it like, it's, it's not bad to redo your work, because it'll always be better. Yeah,
0: yeah. totally. Unless you're really under pressure and you're getting really anxious and stressed oh, out. You're just like, yeah, I mean that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. What were you oh, we gonna say, Jake?
2: Oh, I was just gonna say, can you imagine if there was like a a car company or something where like Ford's like, oh well we invented the the model A engine so we pretty much don't need to build another engine ever again. <laughs> we're, we're good. We got it figured. We'll, we'll add a few more bells and whistles onto it. You know, we have we'll where like one.
0: The passenger and the driver can change the temperature independently of each other. We're good. Oh, we already,
2: the... we invented air conditioning, Nico. It's done.
0: Yeah. Little features built on top of that engine. is like, Oh, you want me to do air conditioning? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, they, they definitely need to do that. Now that's just the thing. It's like, they're they're making a lot of money and we're paying them a lot of money and with every month that passes and like the janky tower of jenga blocks gets higher as they stack <laughs> more and more features like you know, now you got Rotobrush 2.0, but you still have, like, all the matte features from the first one. And then you maybe have Rotobrush 1.0 question mark, and there's, like, a beta you can sign into. Anyways, now you have a new 3D interface, but you also have the same old 3D interface. And you have the new filters, but you also have the legacy filters. You have the new title system. You have the old title system. The new title system it's actually really slow and buggy, uh, but it does work better if you take the, you know, two weeks to learn it. But there's also the slow one, the old one, which maybe isn't slow anymore. And, you know, it's like, like blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, so. It's also a bummer, back in the day
3: i don't know i was using it when i was like 14 so i don't know how much of a a grasp i had on it but it seemed very robust like back in the day after effects and premiere were very good programs they still and are very robust it's degraded. just graded
0: it's just they're you know they're stacks on stacks and stacks of different code now like it's funny because like being an unreal like i am seeing that it's like okay i want to turn on lights oh wait there's four different versions of lights <laughs> um, which box do I check You're that says right. cast shadows because mm-hmm. there's four boxes that say cast shadows <laughs> and it's like well there's the one for the shadow method from 10 years ago there's one from the shadow method from 5 years ago there's one yeah. from 3 years ago you know it's like that's true that's yeah a good point. but I think Unreal and you know Epic like I think they're really Like, it's obviously still kind of an issue, but I think they're really on top of that because that's the name of the game when it comes to game design. Mm -hmm. You know, like, they have to be constantly, like, working that system and updating it and making sure all the legacy systems flow together. Whereas Adobe, not so on top of it, you know? They don't have to make sure all those systems flow together quite as well. They just kind of stack them on top of each other.
3: And 5.0, you know? They're going to release the new Unreal. Might fix all those problems. Yeah,
0: well, the new Unreal is literally... It's just... The new Unreal literally has a lighting engine where it's, like, you just put your lights in and that's all you do. And it has a model engine, like... You just import your high res ZBrush models. You don't do (laughs) normal, like, there's no normal maps in the new Unreal coming out. No. I mean, you can, but you don't have. To. You can, but you don't have to. Like, you just import your model that has all the detail, and it's like it's cool. Take it from here, and then they do all the rest of the optimization behind <laughs> the scenes. Once again, it's the same thing as Aces, the same thing as alembic It's a bunch of professionals getting together. And be like, look, every time we make a 3D model, I sit there and I do file export, and I make a fucking normal map, and I make a freaking bump map, and you're like, it's like, yeah, you don't worry, don't worry, don't do that anymore. Like everybody's doing it, you don't have to do it anymore. We'll just do it for you now in a standardized way.
1: It is going to mean that all of our games are going to start being like two or three hundred meg- A piece, it's gonna be the worst. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) multiply what I just said by a thousand.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Do you have 200 megabyte game, man? Sick, dude. (laughs) That'd be awesome.
1: (laughs) Granted, by the time that's starting to, I mean, we really got to stop thinking about like huge numbers like that as a problem because it's like by the time we're starting to see common like games in the hundreds of megabytes god dang it hundreds (laughs) of gigabytes we're gonna have like commonly like oh yeah my my hard drive's 20 terabytes yeah but the internet deal our, our internet speed is gonna be like hundred gigabit, like it, you know, whatever. Our internet's gonna be like hundred megabit. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think about it. like games these days. Like sixty gigs, that's common. Like most games, I feel like these yeah. days are like sixty gig games. We're like
3: gonna one hundred fifty. Go, go back DVD. eight
1: years ago and tell your tell your eight year younger self that like, oh yeah, all games are gonna be sixty gigabytes. <laughs> you, your mind would be blown. You're like, oh, I've never seen a game
2: larger or, than two Or go gigabytes. back to your nineteen nine late nineties self if you're that old and. Yeah. Tell yourself that every game was sixty dollars then.
0: <laughs> yeah, how? Yeah. That's
2: so crazy. They they were making so much money. It's nuts. how much
3: did games used to be? Sixty bucks.
0: They $60. Oh, really? I remember yeah. they, oh, they were higher
2: for N64 games. Yeah. For, uh,
1: Legendary yeah. was like 80 wow. Bucks. Wow. 70
0: bucks and Perfect Dark was like $90. So bucks they've gotten the, cheaper or, over time. Yeah,
1: actually, they have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have, especially with Steam. Steam made the price of games way cheaper. But yeah. not even
2: just cheaper because of inflation, like actually cheaper. Wow. By That's the dollar wild. amount. Yeah. 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 <laughs> P- people used to pay $24 in the early 2000s for a brand new CD with
0: like 12
3: Jeez.
0: songs on it.
3: $24. <laughs> yeah, oh,
0: I can't wow. imagine paying 25 bucks to listen to somebody's songs at this point, especially if I couldn't hear him beforehand. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> no.
2: Honestly. Yeah, you couldn't hear him beforehand. You went in there and it was like, "Oh, well, it's this artist, so it's probably good. Here's 20 bucks." <laughs> Let's find I out.
1: I can't imagine paying for music period right now. I mean, I do because I pay for Spotify, but like mm-hmm. I don't connect that with the music. yeah in my head it's like oh it's the song i'll listen to it i don't ever think about the idea of a transaction having to occur before i listen to a song
2: which is amazing to to like have that be the reality
3: uh spotify is amazing
0: yeah Spotify's great
2: they changed the game for sure their algorithm
3: is algorithm is spot on is it yeah is it though? for me like, <laughs> <laughs> i use their discover weekly every week and sometimes you know you get an off week but most weeks i'm like there's at least five bangers in here I, I, they,
1: yeah. I agree with you i <laughs> every now and then I'll, I'll throw on like the discover weekly stuff and i'll always end up adding a few songs to my liked mm-hmm. and it's like it's it's like maybe 10 percent, maybe less maybe one yeah. percent
0: of the songs but it's yeah. something always comes from oh, i i love discover weekly don't get me wrong and like i listen to it every week to pick out music but if any Spotify engineers are listening to this, which they're probably not, but hey, if you are, <laughs> uh, I got a request for you. Maybe you guys are thinking about this. You guys need to figure out how to get Spotify to differentiate between foreground listening and background listening. Because <laughs> background listening, you know, whatever. Lo-fi beats to study and relax to whatever. You know, it's like, that's why I got in the background. listening jazz. Mm. Foreground listening, metal. Right? <laughs> so when my Discover Weekly comes up. It's all jazzy metal. <laughs> <laughs> That's not <laughs> what I want. <laughs> Did you Dude, want jazz want metal? To hear Did you mean jazz metal. metal? Yeah. I think you meant jazz you guys, metal. I can show you guys if you want. My spot, like, Discovery oh Week is like 90% jazzy metal. And it's like, and this jazzy is not, metal. I don't want this. <laughs> yeah. Funny. So, you know, something like, you know, if somebody goes and they hit play in a song, consider that like a foreground song. Like, somebody's actively listening, you know? Mm. Versus. You've been playing music for the past two hours. Somebody's passively listening. And so when you're building your Discover Weekly algorithmic playlist, don't assume that just because I listen to this music for two hours, that that's really what I want to be listening to when I'm actively listening to music. You know, it's like there's weird things about music habits. I feel like they could get a little more involved. And I got one more. <laughs> one more thing. This is my last thing. And I wish wrap this podcast. Why the heck do these companies not let you just play with the dang algorithm? I know. Why can't you just get like, look guys, just let me input 5 songs and you know, give me a playlist. Just yeah. let me play with your algorithm. Let me make playlists and discover music all the time. Same on YouTube. Take me to an yeah. algorithm page where I can like throw five videos at you from five different channels, <laughs> and you guys make me a playlist of cool videos. Let me use your algorithm to find videos. I feel like god, the YouTube algorithm has gotten that.
1: worse for my Somebody personal preference. Because it's like yeah. I remember back in the day is like you'd watch. The joke was like, oh, you watch one video, and suddenly your whole recommended feed is that video. And it's like YouTube's been very honest. We're like, yeah, no, that that is how it works. But that <laughs> yeah. has gotten more and more intense. I feel in the last year or two. Yeah. And oh my god, the other hey, night you can't find good. I, I accidentally left. All autoplay turned on and so i fell asleep and i had one video uh suddenly like i started watching every single smarter everyday video for six straight hours now i love Destin; i think he's an amazing creator i love his videos but now youtube thinks that i just sat down and watched six straight hours of his videos in one go so now suddenly every single video in my recommended feed is destined from smarter every day love you love his content but i i want other content in addition to just nothing but that
0: <laughs> yeah man and what the heck's up with recommending me videos i already watched? it's like guys come on mm-hmm. give me new videos
2: <laughs> yeah, all right that's an issue all right well we haven't they fixed that one yet but there's people helping people out there so uh you know mm-hmm. Think that's that's the end of this one, guys. Um <laughs> I guess I'll play us out.
0: Play us out, Jake. Thanks play for listening, everybody. And uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thanks for
2: thanks for listening. Quarterdigital.com. Better place to find us than YouTube. All right. How many live viewers do we have right now?
0: We're at twenty yeah. seven. Hi, twenty-seven live viewers. Thanks for watching us. Thanks, how guys.
2: Oh, wait, how, what was the song I was gonna play? Oh, here we go.
0: Wonderwall. say it ain't so no, 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 it's,
2: an old, it's an old Garth Brooks song it's like uh,
1: competition's getting younger
2: I know the song I know the song in Bronx, I can't recall this
3: is weirdly and then, uh, relevant to what we were talking yeah. about
2: <laughs> come on I should be able to do this better I've been playing this song all week trying to learn it but uh, you know what I'm just going to improvise okay ready Hell yeah! yeah let's do it. guys that was a good one I'm sad that we didn't solve all the problems in the technological industries. Maybe next time. Or maybe the time after that. If we keep at it, maybe the time after that. I don't know. But we gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta go.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll see you next week.
4: (laughs)